This is Dan Fagella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical leaders stay ahead of the AI curve. If you're not interested in writing code, but you still need to lead AI strategy and find opportunities for AI ROI, you're in the right place. Sometimes here on the AI and Business Podcast, we go straight to the heart of a business topic. We talk about a use case, we talk about a particular element of AI strategy, and we just strike at it. Every now and again, we take technical concepts and we make them business simple and business relevant. And that's exactly what we do today. Make business folks be able to talk shop with people who are technical, but in ways that relate to their goals, namely the bottom line and impacting their workflows, impacting the retention of their staff, etc. Our guest this week is Carlos Escapa. Carlos is the global business development manager for PyTorch for Facebook AI. And in this episode, we talk about what business leadership needs to know about open source, regardless of whether it's written in Python or written in Spark or written in ancient Greek, what does it actually mean to the business? The questions that we answer in this episode are, number one, what is open source and why is it relevant for business folks? Two, what are the situations where it might make sense purely based on business value to go with open source tools? as opposed to tools that are not open source. There's some cases where it's a no-brainer. There's others where it's a little bit of a gray area. Carlos helps to clarify that. And he also gets into the what we could think of as hidden benefits of open source for retaining and leveling up AI talent. There are few companies in the world that have as many talented AI people as Facebook. I remember six years ago, I was at Facebook headquarters doing an interview with the then head of core machine learning, Hussein Mahana who I believe went on to Snapchat and a bunch of other companies. And I remember being in a building that was dedicated to AI, a building, a gigantic building that probably had hundreds and hundreds of folks purely working on artificial intelligence. If anything they're doing is important for retaining top talent, it's relevant for you. And Carlos talks about where leveling up and retaining talent crosses over with open source. It is a lesson that every enterprise can draw from, and it's a lesson that we highlight towards the back half of this episode. I'm grateful to be able to have Carlos with us, and I'm grateful to be able to have you as a listener. So without further ado, let's go ahead and fly into this. This is the power of open source for business leaders with Carlos Escapa here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Carlos, glad to be able to have you with us on the show. Our topic for today is going to be around open source and particularly its relevance for driving business value with AI. I want to fly right into the topic, but I also really want to make sure we can address your experience here, which is rare and unique and, and allows you to sort of see where open source is headed in a way that maybe other folks don't. Obviously, you're global business development manager with, with Facebook for PyTorch. PyTorch is Facebook's big open source effort. Can you walk through a little bit of what you do on a month-to-month, week-to-week so that people have some context before we head into the topic? Sure. Uh, our project has uh, just under 2,000 contributors at the moment from uh, big companies, small companies, and many cases, individuals. And what we need to do is basically align the objectives of the contributors in such a way that the ecosystem continues to evolve and the platform is enriched. And enriched in this case means uh, additional functionality, additional support for new hardware, for uh, um, new cloud constructs, the generation of new libraries that extend the use cases, uh, the productivity of the machine learning engineers, uh, the ability to debug models, to make them small, efficient, responsive. Uh, so there's 
myriad ways in which uh, all of these teams contribute and in our partnerships what we try to do is uh, focus on the big uh, contributors and ensure alignment got it and big contributors i imagine could be in academia in some level could also be uh, giant legacy companies giant tech companies you're obviously based in the bay area what are contributors composed we don't have to name names but give us an idea of kind of the the band of folks that that make up these contributors yeah, well, the advantage of open source is that it is open, right? So anybody can can check this out. Uh, so we'll just I can definitely mention names. You can imagine that the usual suspects are in the list, like yeah. uh, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. Um, you have companies also like um, Disney, like Alibaba, like Salesforce, like uh, Uber. So the, there's many different companies. And you also have a smaller, much more specialized companies that contribute to the project. Some, some of them may not be known to you. For instance, there is a Japanese company called Preferred Networks that makes uh, quite a big contribution in, in the ecosystem. Um, Quansight is another company that makes uh, contributions. So there's qu quite a few people involved in the project. And like I said, this is open information that anybody can check in GitHub. So yeah, continue to make that ecosystem flourish as you'd framed big part of your work collaborating with some of these leading firms i want to get into what open source is and why it's valuable from a business standpoint our audience for the most part are not you know again fo folks that write python they're people that are steering ai projects maybe making strategic decisions at larger firms thinking about where they want to take their company and i know that there is an appeal to open source for the technically minded folks because they like being able to have kind of a legacy of some kind, if you will, right? Being able to contribute to something that will live on outside of maybe the small amount of IP that they contribute to within the company they work in, but contribute to other people like them that are trying to develop useful solutions. But clearly, businesses wouldn't have hundreds of people or dozens of people working on open source projects if it there wasn't some business motive here as well. So if you could you explain open source in the way you like to explain it to business people and talk about why it's a force for innovation that even the most for-profit companies in the world here are adamantly engaging with. Right. So there's an intuitive and counterintuitive element here in in the answer to your question. Okay, the, the intuitive side is that there are many problems that we are addressing where a single company sim simply cannot do it. Collaboration across companies, and in fact, global collaboration in many cases is absolutely required in order to tackle some of the challenges that you have. In This is uh, not only in AI, but when you talk about software, it makes it a little easier to apply the open source uh, principles. So this, this collaboration in the absence of lawyers or uh, you know, without the need to have uh, agreements or contracts between companies is what gives open source that, um, that speed and also attracts top minds to work on specific problems. So the, 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 this is why companies want to collaborate. If they want to have the best uh, set of uh, libraries in order to do machine learning, it is much better to use an open source framework because there's going to be more contribution and it's going to be bleeding edge in a natural way. If, if you, I don't think that AI could ever work if it was not open source huh. because people, would, people wouldn't use it. They wouldn't trust it. Now, the counterintuitive side to open source projects is that by having subject matter experts, that actually attracts a lot of followers who want to learn from these people. So it's a little bit like watching a, a black belt practice in, or, or maybe two black belts practice with each other in front of a very big audience. 
So that's why you have hundreds of thousands of people actually checking GitHub to see the code that these subject matter experts are producing because they can learn so much from it. And not only that, they can even go and make contributions themselves. Even the black belts do not write perfect code or they're not necessarily good at documenting it. So people with talent can participate, anybody in the world can participate in these projects, submit back fixes, submit documentation, contribute to the project. And when their pull requests, which is their contributions, are accepted into the project, that actually allows them to be more visible in the community, develop skills, and that creates career opportunities very quickly. Got it. And and this counterintuitive idea of watching black belts kind of spar, there's a part of me that feels like, well, maybe there's organizations who want to use the bleeding edge technologies and also want to be able to watch this training of, of great black belts when it comes to the technical side of AI to see the cutting edge emerge and then to be able to use that in their own organization. It seems like there are invariably companies who want to observe that, want to leverage that, but maybe don't necessarily want to contribute to that. What ends up being the motive for the folks that give back into this ecosystem? There's clearly so much that you could learn from being an observer and appreciating and, and benefiting from some of the expertise of these other folks. What makes it worthwhile for a business, you know, an IBM or, you know, you mentioned it, you know, an Amazon or Microsoft or whoever else to also chip into this code in addition to leveraging it and leveraging these best practices? For those big companies influencing the project and participating in the development of the bleeding edge technology, as well as acquiring expertise, are the primary motivators. They do not want to be left behind. They want very much to know what is the state of the art. And having contributors in the project is a way for them to retain a level of expertise that would be very difficult to do in a reactive way. Got it. Okay. So for it's almost more of that leveling up your martial arts belt in some way. What you're saying is that to get a black belt yourself, it's actually hard to purely spectate as opposed to aim to contribute actively, garner that same feedback from that same community. That is right. Bear in mind that this is a law of numbers, right? Uh, when you talk about the black belts, you're talking about uh, dozens of people. You normally have thousands of contributors to the project. Downstream projects, they're now approaching, in, in the case of our project, PyTorch is um, not far away from 100,000 downstream projects. And if you were to count students, you're probably talking about millions of people who actually, in one way or another, access uh, GitHub to use our libraries. So it, it is quite an expansive ecosystem. It's very much py- pyramidal, right? And those black belts have are in full visibility of the entire community. And clearly a benefit for the technical folks that want to level up in that regard. The um, last question I have, and the last question that we have time for, but is really important, and your thoughts here I think are going to matter a lot for our business audience, is around where open source may be relevant for AI uh, from a business standpoint. So maybe not every single project ever built within an an HSBC bank or within a General Electric or, or even a startup will be open source per se, but maybe some of them should be or or could benefit from being so. Obviously, you have a bit of skin in the game and a dog in the fight here to make the argument that maybe everything should be. But in all seriousness, if you're a business leader at an established enterprise and you're thinking about where do I consider the fit for open source? Where might it drive more value for our organization and, and be the best move 
uh, for us when it comes to developing a new solution, a new capability. When does it make sense business-wise to, to kind of lean in that direction? Well, in, in the area of AI, you don't really have any choice. Everything is open source. There, there is, if, if you think about it, you assume responsibility for the models that you develop with your data. So if you have a black box approach to developing models, then you do not know what is happening to your data and how the models are created. Therefore, there is no alternative, really. You have to go with, with an open source approach. Now, you could say that maybe the intelligence agencies have a different approach. I don't know, right? But that would <laughs> yeah, sure, be sure. The, the only exception I could I could think of. Got it. Well, yeah, and certainly being able to draw from libraries, I mean, you know, the, everything from the scikit learns, you know, up to, you know, the, the pythons and, and the various other libraries that exist out there. Certainly, if you're putting together something that's going to be cutting edge, you're, you're going to be drawing from the work of others. It kind of behooves you for companies to actually be able to give back into that ecosystem in some in some way, shape or form. Do you see kind of or how do you describe the business value for organizations that want to get so involved in, let's say, a PyTorch, which is you know where you are right now, that they actually end up kind of contributing, you know, not just copying and pasting, you know, a bajillion people have copied and pasted something out of uh, their, their scikit-learns or wherever else to sort of make this application run or that application run, and maybe they can update it and go back to those libraries as time goes along. But being able to really be an active contributor is a different level of contribution What's the explanation to a business leader who's maybe seeing some of their folks get involved at such a level that they're starting to contribute back into the ecosystem? What, what's the way that we kind of validate, okay, hey, that really is the right move being invested in this way in this community that isn't necessarily our business, but is helping us in some way. How do you articulate that value, I guess, for someone who is not uh, maybe open source first? This is a very easy answer because it relates to attracting and retaining top talent in the industry. When... Uh, you actually encourage and enable employees to contribute to open source projects. Uh, you are actually creating an opportunity and a horizon for somebody to grow significantly faster. So you benefit not only because uh, you create expertise inside of the company, but also because you attract expertise to the company. The opposite side, if you will, companies who do not allow employees to make contributions to open source projects, uh, which is fine, which is, you know, many, many of them uh, typically have problems in attracting top level talent. So it sounds like if we want to build more top black belts and or retain the kind of folks who are, are the most eager to grow and are, are most likely to be the top of their field, there's, there's an appeal there. So something to consider for people tuned in. And I know that that's all we have for time, but Carlos, thank you so much for being able to crack open some of your insights on this intersection of AI and open source. I sincerely appreciate it. Very welcome. So that's it for this episode. Certainly some food for thought when it comes to what does it look like to retain top talent, to make people feel like they're actually contributing, to make people feel like they're actually growing. Obviously, we can't have our machine learning developers spending the bulk of their time contributing to open source projects, but being able to overlap with that community, both from a business value perspective and from an employee retention perspective, certainly has its upsides. And I appreciate Carlos being able to flesh that stuff out. Again, some of the time here on the show, we're just going to talk directly about the business impact of AI on a workflow. Sometimes we're going to take topics that are technical, that get bandied about a lot, and we're going to make them business simple. And hopefully this was an episode that was useful for you in doing just that. 
If you've benefited from the AI and Business podcast, we've had two of our most recent guests, and these are folks that are going to be airing in the next two months, who actually came to us from LinkedIn who were podcast fans and said, hey, I love your show, and I saw what they did for a living, and these are AI leaders at global brands. Would you like to be on the show? And those conversations led to them being on the program. It means a lot to hear from folks when the show is actually something they learn from. When we have somebody at a $20 billion company who's heading up data infrastructure, and they talk about all the cool things they've learned in the program, it means the world to me, and it helps me double down on the episode topics that are going to matter for you, our listener. Um, So if you've benefited from the program at all, be sure to review us on iTunes. You can go to iTunes, search for AI and Business Podcast. And yeah, drop us a five-star review. Let us know any episodes that were most relevant for you. If you think it's worth it, it would certainly mean a lot to us. Helps other people learn about the show. We'd be glad to have you. Otherwise, make sure to stay tuned for Monday. In case you didn't catch yesterday's episode, we have a new series called AI Success Factors. This is a series that is short. We're talking 10 to 15 minutes every week on Monday to start your week with the success factors that made an AI project come to life. We talked to folks that have worked on projects at Amazon and worked on projects at other cutting edge enterprise firms. And we take a specific concrete use case. We have them articulate what was the before and after picture. And we talk about what were the factors that made it work? What got it to ROI? This has been an exciting series. We kicked off with a leader who's now at Oracle, who was once working on an exciting project at Amazon, Alexa. That episode aired on February 21st. That was Rafer Gabriel. Be sure to listen to that. That's the first episode of our AI Success Factor series. Every Monday moving forward, we're going to start your week with transferable lessons for making AI projects succeed. If you want to level up and you want to do nothing else but listen to the best of the best, talk about what made AI turn into ROI, tune in on Mondays. I am pumped up about this series. This is something I've wanted to do since the back half of last year, and I've just committed to it this year. Every Monday, we're going to be producing an episode called AI Success Factor. So hope to have you there for that episode next week. Glad to have you here now. Thanks again for tuning in. Catch you in the next episode of the AI and Business Podcast.